The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives a feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have all kinds of stories. Stories about ponytails and horny men and call signs, smelly airplanes, and people trying to hump their seat on the airplane along with a thousand dollar bill. Let's just get right on to the stories. to Montreal. Okay. In first class, Fifi and Pierre get on board. Fifi and Pierre are their French couple. They're a French couple going to Montreal. Now, Pierre is your typical Canadian Frenchman. Fifi is very affected. She has very white hair that's pulled back in a ponytail. Like and a, a severe ponytail? Yes, yes. And a, and a very white fur jacket on to match her hair. Well, they get on demanding champagne. Champagne, we must have champagne right this moment. And they were very, like I said, very affected. So they get their champagne, and they drink their champagne the entire way to Montreal. Just before landing, Fifi has to go to the bathroom. And so she goes in, and she stays, and she stays, and she stays. And they're getting ready for final approach. Right. So they she's not answering the door. The flight attendants are knocking vigorously. Come out, come out. They were saying, come out, Fifi. <laughs> well, no, they didn't call her Fifi, but... Yes. Yeah. So, so, they finally open the door themselves, manually open it from yeah. the outside, and there's Fifi, has passed out, and her, tra- she had on trousers, her trousers around her feet, her butt's on the floor, and her head's back into the toilet. <laughs> And so they think, we're not handling this. We'll go get Pierre. Pierre comes up, and he goes, oh, my gosh, Fifi, you lush. You lush, and starts kicking her. Get up, get up, you stupid lush. So he finally gets her up, drags her back to the seat, and they land. Well, by this time, Fifi has sobered up just enough to know that she's done something stupid, and she's very indignant over it because, obviously, that is not her normal. Yes. 
So Fifi walks off with her nose in the air and not speaking to anyone. And as they watch them leave the airplane and walk down the jetway, they notice that Fifi's hair from her ponytail down is all blue from where it fell into the toilet. Next to her white fur coat. Next to her white fur, fur coat. So those that last laugh have the best laugh. <laughs> have a couple short Madagascar stories. So I was at this national park. I had just seen some lemurs and I was walking back to the hotel and I saw a sign that there was another national park, but it was like four kilometers, it said. And it was like four o'clock. I knew it got dark at five, but I thought, you know what? I'll walk down the road some anyway, just because, um, you know, it's just like a local dirt road. And, you know, I, I saw locals washing their clothes in the river and stuff like that. So I thought, if I don't make it to the park, it'll still be an interesting walk. I'll get some exercise. And uh, I kept seeing a bunch of women with the big, heavy things on their heads with interesting sarong-type clothing. And I wanted to take pictures, but it seemed a little disrespectful. So I realized, yes, I'm not going to make it to the park. So at one point, I turned around, and up ahead of me, Going back, there was a, a woman, She well, she looked like a teenager to me, but she had like three small children, and I walked kind of fast. So eventually, I caught up with her, and uh, she was friendly, and she had been singing with the kids, and she started trying to talk to me, but I don't speak any Malagasy, and she spoke almost no English, and at one point, I think she was trying to offer me the smallest kid. <laughs> I I know. I don't know. I hope that that was lost in translation, because <laughs> that's certainly not good. But then she she put her hands on her head and then pointed to me and said, "Bleach." <laughs> so I guess that that's one English word she knew. She was asking me if I dyed my hair. <laughs> I was like trying to say no, like no, what difference does it make anyway if you dye your hair or not? I just happen to not. And and I don't think she believed me because I don't think there's any blonde Malagasy women. So this next story comes from Mark from Liverpool. He sent in other stories before. He sent in so much material that he really should start his own podcast. He's very good at finding airline material on the internet. But this comes from a comedian called Ken Kington, and you can find his stuff at Ken, which is two N's, Kington.com. It's funny. Well, you probably won't want to do this, but I can tell you from Corpus Houston, Houston, Salt Lake, Salt Lake, Phoenix, you can be there by 4.30. I'm like, do that. And he says, okay, dude. I said, do I need to take my bag? No, we'll take care of it. It was going great until I got to Salt Lake City. I thought I had two hours, but I didn't because I heard my name over the loudspeaker. <laughs> Ken Kingdom, please report to gate E18 immediately. Ken Kingdom, E18. I'm like, run. I took off running. I get to gate E18, and I'm like, I'm, I'm Ken. Is the flight still here? Is it a, like, oh, yeah, it's not for another hour and a half. I'm like, we called my name. They're like, oh, are you Ken? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you need to talk to those guys. Two ramp workers, the knee pads and the headphones, and I said, hi, I'm Ken Kington, is there something I can help you with? They're like, oh, do you want to tell them, or do you want me to tell them? <laughs> I said, tell me what? They said, oh, I'm, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, your, your bag, uh, it didn't make it. <laughs> and I fly 200 flights a year, that happens a couple times a year. And I said, well, did it not make it from Corpus to Houston or Houston to here? And they both looked at me and went, um, 
Uh, no, it got here, but it didn't make it. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not following you. I'm so sorry. I'm a little slow, and I was in special class, you know. So I, I'm just... And he says, well, uh, see, there was a roll or an accident. Your, your bag is gone. We think we saved most of what was inside of it, but your bag is gone. I said, can I see it? And they both went, no. I said, I can't see it. And they said, the biggest piece is about this big. And sure enough, when I finally got my stuff, it had exploded on the tarmac. There were airplane wheel marks across my clothes. I said, well, okay. I said, well, is there a reason why you call me? They said, yeah, we're putting it in a temporary container. We just want to let you know you can make a claim when you get to Phoenix. I'm like, okay. And they said, well, you're taking this pretty well. I'm like, well, you know, is there anything I can do? I'm like, no, but, you know, there's a flight on time. Yeah, so I get to Phoenix. And I'm sitting there with a baggage claim. Now, it's not like Atlanta where it comes out of the bottom or out the sides at most airports. In Phoenix, there's two that come out of the ceiling, and they come down. And I'm standing there with about 80 people when it dawns on me. As the luggage begins to come down, I have no idea what I'm looking for. (laughs) I figure I'll just wait. And then it became painfully obvious what I was looking for. I want you to picture the largest garbage bag you have ever seen. And the reason I knew it was mine is because it was clear. Here comes my shoes and my underwear. And these two ladies behind me are like, oh, good Lord, who would do that? So now I'm going to you know, let everybody leave before I leave. And it, that didn't work. People are taking their luggage and then watching this thing go around. You know? <laughs> Time rushing by, I used to go miss my entrance to tell. So when I got back from Madagascar, I had, uh, it would be my, I take a big trip every year for my birthday. I used to get the birthday blues and uh, now every year I take a big trip and guess what? No birthday blues. <laughs> I'm off in some crazy place so I don't get introspective and weird and hard on myself. I just enjoy my birthday. It's a perfect plan <laughs> for me anyway. Anyway, but when I get back from my trip, there's always a lot of birthday greetings that I've been ignoring because... I'm somewhere where there's not a lot of computers or you're just too busy. Anyway, I I was returning an email from one of my sisters and I I just quickly wrote, just back from Madagascar, the lemurs were fantastic. And she wrote back, um, what are lemurs? Some kind of food? (laughs) I love that. Now, granted, there's no reason why a lot of people would need to know what a lemur was, but here I was going all the way. 40 hours across the world to see them and she's like what are lemurs some kind of food (laughs) you are a were you a new italian speaker no no a new german oh new german speaker yeah so the agent comes on and hands me the uh departure and says I need you to page for this man he's missing okay and 
The man's last name is H-O-R-N-M-A-N-N. -N. So I have to page the airplane for a horny man. Horny man. So I'm hoping that not every call light goes off when I page for Mr. Hornyman. Please ring your flight attendant call light, Mr. Hornyman. Is there a Hornyman on the airplane? That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Is there a horny man on the airplane? Okay, so you were in the Navy. Yeah, in the Navy, and uh, we were talking about call signs, and in naval aviation, you get a call sign from your squadron, your CEO, or somebody. You don't choose your own call and sign. It's usually not. Uh, uh, it can be good or bad. It just depends. It, it, it's it's really it, 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 it can be harmless. You have to have a distinct name when you're in a fight. Yeah. You know, you can't be sitting there saying, "Hey, Craig, do this," because Craig could be Greg, it could be Brett. It has to be something that can be understood. Oh yeah, absolutely. Also, it's for security because you can't see like skipper because you don't want people to know on the radio that the commanding officer is in the flight. So you have call signs to keep it kind of anonymous, and like he says, you don't get them confused. But but the bottom line is you don't choose it. Right. Except this guy made naval aviation history. He got to choose his call sign. In the training command, they, they, the instructors give him a call sign, a spaz, and he didn't like that call sign. So him and I got to our fleet squadron. And I wasn't in this flight, but apparently, as the story goes, he was in the briefing. Now we're in a fleet squadron, so we're actually in the, no kidding, we're no more training. We're in, we're, we're in, we're in the real squadron now. So, uh, and, the, and, the, and the guy that was leading the flight was, you know, all right, Spaz, you know, you go here and whatever. And at the end of the briefing, go, any questions? And Spaz says, hey, look, guys, I'm a fleet guy now. I mean, I've always hated that call sign. I got the training command. I can't stand it. I, I want a new call sign. And he says, you can call me anything. You can call me Buttface. Just don't call me Spaz. And he said, okay, Buttface. <laughs> And the next day on the airplane, had Lieutenant Tom Buttface Riley, and so he got his call sign changed on on command. The only guy in aviation history says Buttface from there on. Buttface from there on out. Okay. We knew we had a new Rio coming from the rag into our squadron, Marco Cromarty. Okay, he knows him already, and this gentle this gentleman happens to be African American, which was rare in the Navy. And we were going to get this guy. We knew months ahead of time. We had meetings to come up with a call sign. We were saying, we got to give them some guys. What, what are you going to come up with? We finally had a concurrence on the call sign token. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we came up with Coke, token. Well, this guy's name was Marco Cromarty. He comes over with a call sign Crow. Oh, yeah. And we go, that'll work. So <laughs> we let him keep his call sign Crow. <laughs> I was in Madagascar and I went to dinner and I was dressed, I dressed in like normal clothes like I would wear at home. It was like 75 degrees out and I'm, I'm looking around the restaurant. Uh, I had plenty of time because I was by myself and uh, I'm looking around and it, it's all tourists in the restaurant. It's, uh, it's like the nicest hotel around, still not expensive, but it's the nicest hotel. So it was a nice restaurant and everybody there is in like khakis and fleece and those pants that that turn into shorts and you know fleece I mean it's like 70 something degrees you need fleece and do you need pants that turn into shorts at dinner like I think it's really strange that everybody thinks of um you know Madagascar's in Africa so they all think they got to dress like the movie out of Africa and I wonder what the people in Africa think of Americans or 
actually, there were a lot of Europeans, so just tourists, do they think that's what we dress like at home? Like, do they think that our cities are full of people walking around in khakis and fleece and pants that turn into shorts? Like, we're all with like puka shells, like we're all like Jeff Propes from Survivor. But like, actually, he's one of the only people that can pull that look off. This story is about Kinder Eggs and a parent. Okay, but explain what Kinder Eggs are, because a lot of people Kinder Eggs are little plastic eggs. They are covered with chocolate. Inside the plastic egg is a toy that's in pieces. You have to put it together like a little racing car or something. No, not paper. It's really cute plastic little items or little airplane where the wings have to be put on and whatever. Anyway, it's children's surprise eggs. And um, I brought 24 of those eggs to one of the flight attendants because she had little children and never goes to Germany. So I knew her name was Karen, but I didn't know her last name. So I had them sitting in a basket in my room, in my bedroom upstairs, for two or three weeks. And at that time, my son was dating a girl with a little child. Oh, yeah. And one day I come home, and only two eggs are left. And then in the morning, the phone rings, and he says, I, I, I ask him why he would leave two eggs. I said, you really have nerves to take all the eggs and pretend I wouldn't know the difference if you left only two. So he said, what, what eggs? What kinder eggs? I haven't even been home. Well, it turned out the ferret took the ferret. one by one. He took the eggs. She took the eggs down the stairs and was hiding them behind the couch, in the in the kitchen, behind the table, in some little corner. Was she in. eating the chocolate or just no, moving No, she was only moving the, the kinder eggs were all Rest. properly, they're, they're, yeah. it, they're in foil, yeah. you know, over the chocolate is a foil, so you see all the little tooth marks, but the ferret was the one that stole all the eggs. So it's like an eggs. Easter egg hunt. Yeah. A ferret Easter egg yeah. hunt. You had the Easter egg hunt afterwards because you had to find it. <laughs> so anyway, there, there were two eggs left. I put them on the bed. And next morning, those two were gone. So the ferret was still in action. <laughs> you know, then I knew it wasn't my son because the bed was perfectly made. And he hadn't come home and the eggs were gone. So yeah. So the ferret was the thief. It's a ferret Easter bunny. Ferret Easter bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Another call sign? Well, well, the call signs get changed if you do some kind of antic when you're on a mission or something. And, and this particular one's a training mission. And we were and we needed to drop the bombs in what they call a retarded configuration, which is it makes them high drag so the, 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 uh, they, they don't go as far. And there's a reason why we do it. I don't want to get into it. But you can do them low drag or high drag. High drag, they go really far. Well, this guy forgot to arm his, his retarded weapon, so when he dropped it, it went really far, way beyond the target, into a graveyard. Into exploded. A graveyard. So uh, his call sign got changed to Digger. So that's how you can get your call sign changed, depending on what kind of buffoonery you do Blew when you're flying. A, a graveyard. Blew up a graveyard with a, with a uh, Mark, I think it was a Mark 82, 500 pound high explosive mm-hmm. weapon. Yeah. So there was Digger. a lot of there was a lot of skeletons flying around on that one. <laughs> So now here is my shameless promotion. (laughs) 
It doesn't cost you anything. If you're going to go to Amazon to buy something, and they have everything, uh, if you click through my website, BettyInTheSky.com, I get a little percentage, and it helps support the show. And actually, um, I have been working on... I've been talking about it for years, and I'm finally actually working on it. I've been working on The Best of Betty, and uh, I'm putting together, like, going, listening to all the old shows and taking the best stories from each one to put together, you know, a a best of episode, I guess you'd call it. And uh, I was slightly hesitant to listen to the old ones. I was thinking, well, these are probably going to be terrible, (laughs) like... Uh, this is going to be painful. And you know what? That sounds terrible to say, but they're good. <laughs> is that horrible to say? Damn, those those old episodes of Betty in the Sky or the Suitcase are great. I had more material at the time, and I, I had the luxury of putting, you know, theme. I had more material to work from, so I could I could put in a theme, and I really liked it. And I, I've actually been enjoying some of the old music. And, you know, all the episodes are, are free, and it is a lot of work, and actually doing the best of Betty is a lot of work. So if you want to support the show and help out, pitch in, uh, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, it doesn't cost you anymore, but you can help support the show. And thank you very much. Okay, so you are overhauling airplane engines. Yes, ma'am. We're the, uh, the, in, the old engine shop uh, in the early 60s. And you can take fiberglass and you can mix it. You put the rosin and you put the fiberglass together and it works fine, but if you reverse it, it makes an awful, awful smell like boiled eggs, like rotten boiled eggs. And uh, our shot was probably, in the shot was probably 100, 150 foot square back then. And some guy took an old Coca-Cola paper cup and mixed it up like that, put a red rag over it, and walked off. It takes it about 30 minutes to get stirring. That emptied that whole shop. The shop had some offices over the, the smaller shops. Everybody, I seen four or five grown men just throw up in garbage cans. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. It's the most horrible thing I ever smelled in my life. Well, I was probably. If I wasn't one of the top ones, I was pretty close to top agitators. Trouble. My foreman called me in and hollered and screamed at me, turned red in the face. Hope you done that. If you didn't do it, you know who done it. You put them up to it. I said, no, sir, I don't. I, I don't really know. So he, he finally got over it. I got the shop cleaned out. About 20 years later, the... Uh, that foreman retired. And he said he did it? No, that foreman retired, and um, they had a, I'd already left the company, and uh, uh, they called and had a reunion, and had a sort of, had a roast for Harry. And they had the table set up in a big square, and they started on one side, and I was the last person on this side. And uh, so I got my turn to get up, and I said, Harry, you remember the time they mixed that stuff together? He said, yeah, I remember that. I said, I told you I didn't know who that, and I really didn't lie to you. I didn't know who it was, but I had a good idea, and that fellow's not very far from me right now. And that fellow's name was Joe Glass. He got up and went, stood in front of Harry. He said, Harry, I'm the one that done it, and he said, it's really been on my conscience bottom. And I just confessed it now, about 25, about 20 years later. But... 
just flying LA New York and they had kicked off a passenger on another carrier so they had to carry this passenger from LA to New York and as they were taxiing out the lady had the blanket over her head sitting out there on the L1011 in coach they take off the, the passenger comes running up with no clothes on into the first class galley totally naked so then she starts running to the cabin playing with herself oh 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 Oh, I yes. thought it was going to be a streaker, which was bad, but it's Not worse. Not a streaker, yes. And this was on her menstrual cycle. <laughs> Nobody could touch her. So the lady was running them down the aisle until they landed. Oh, my <laughs> they had God. Security had to tackle her. Yes. Not a nutball. It wasn't crazy. on that flight. It was another flight attendant story. <laughs> well, you see everything, don't you? <laughs> yes. I had a bad visual of this lady. That was a bad visual. And she was really redheaded. <laughs> she was a real redhead. Real redhead. She yes. was a ginger. Ginger. Ginger everywhere. But okay, so can you imagine what the pilot was probably having to call the tower? He's like, well, uh, tower, we have a passenger running around the cabin, uh, naked. <laughs> She's on her menstrual cycle, <laughs> playing with herself. <laughs> we need to declare an emergency landing. <laughs> I'm always surprised at people's questions. I always think I've heard them all, and I never have. Well, I was uh, on an international flight, and we're selling duty-free. You know, we make the PA and say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we have a wide selection of items available, uh, duty and tax-free. Uh, there's a catalog of all the items available in the seat pocket uh, in front of you, and we'll be coming through with a duty-free cart with the items after the beverage service, after the meal service. And... Um, I'm on the cart, we're selling the stuff. And you know, we put some things, you know, try to be like good little salespeople. We put some things on the top, you know, like the flight attendant doll and some cigarettes and some chocolates. And you know, we have perfume, all the standard duty free stuff. And uh, we're going through with the cart and going duty free, duty free shop, uh, duty free, duty free. And this woman stops me, she's sitting at the exit row. And she's like, um, how much is the shipping? And I'm like, well, we certainly wouldn't charge for shipping because I'm just going to hand it to you. You know, <laughs> that'd be pretty bad if the, oh, shipping and handling is $10 cash, please. <laughs> no, you know, there's no shipping. And um, she's like, no, how much does it cost for the shipping? And I'm like, um, I have the items right here uh, and you'll pay for them and then I'll just hand it to you. So there's, there's no shipping. And then she was like, well, how am I going to get the items? I'm like, no, no. At first I thought, well, maybe she's thinking the Sky Mall because, you know, there's another catalog or things you actually have to purchase and they ship to your house I'm like no no there's no shipping because we have it right here not only on the airplane but I have it right here in this cart right here by your seat and she's like so no shipping I'm like no no shipping Every once in a while, there's just a wonderful news story that I don't know if you've heard, and I just have to share. It's a Christmas mystery. A $1,000 bill slipped into the Salvation Army's red kettle. This is in Morgantown, West Virginia. There's a long-running mystery in Morgantown, but it's not a who done it; it's a who gave it. Every year, since at least 1978, a mystery donor has slipped a $1,000 bill into the Salvation Army kettle. This year, the $1,000 bill, wrapped in a $1 bill, appeared Saturday uh, into a kettle manned by volunteer Mark Randalls. Randall says he has no idea who put 
it in the kettle. Can you imagine, first of all, a thousand dollar bill, I didn't even know there was such a thing, but apparently it's very rare from the twenties. And somebody has that many $1,000 bills that they've been doing this for like 30 years. And plus, Morgantown isn't that big, really. Like, if there was a mystery like this, I think I'd be scoping out those (laughs) Salvation Army kettles to see, you know, who the Bruce Wayne is that's putting the $1,000 bills in the kettle. (laughs) Um, serving a passenger a lot of beer, yeah, first class. And during the flight, he got up and went up to another passenger in first class and peed all over her. Peed on her, all over her, and they arrested him. So that's one. Yeah, it's amazing how many pee stories we have. I mean, we have a lot that's, of pee that's it can't be right. A lot, a lot of pee, a lot of beer, a lot of pee. He doesn't even know the lady. Peed all over her in first class. Yeah, was that an ambient one too, or no? No, the ambient ones when they make out with the seat. When they what? Make out with a seat rest. The seat rest. The, the headrest. Oh, wait. They make, I haven't heard of this one. Yeah. They make out with the seat rest they on? The headrest, yes. <laughs> yes, with Ambien and alcohol. Yes. And, so they, and another so one. So all of a sudden the seat becomes attractive. Yes, it was very attractive. <laughs> years hope you guys all have a great 2013 that sounds strange actually 2013 but a lot of people start making um, resolutions and things like that but instead what I usually do is look back and notice and remind myself what I'm grateful for anyway I was just in Rome and uh, I was about to go to sleep it was like 11 22 there it's like 5 22 in the morning and I was about to go to sleep for three hours and uh you know that's all the sleep I was getting for the night and kind of it's so silly everything's silly but you can feel like oh well I gotta get to sleep for three hours but I want to get up because it's Rome and at just that point where I was kind of going oh you know gosh you'd really like to sleep a whole night but you don't want to miss Rome anyway I was doing this weird frustration with myself And I hear a siren. And it's so weird, but that siren actually made me feel grateful because I thought to myself, how lucky am I that I can recognize the difference in sirens and tell that that is an Italian siren. (laughs) I've been able, I've been so lucky to go to so many places that I can actually tell the difference in different countries' sirens. (laughs) And then I went to sleep and I was grateful and I hope you have great 2013. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. If any of you know anything about that Morgantown, West Virginia, mystery Bruce Wayne type who leaves that $1,000 bill in the Salvation Army kettle, let me know. Love to have him on the show. And uh, that's about it. So I hope you'll join me again next time, even if you're in pants that zip off into shorts and fleece. Let's go travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Hey, kids, when you fly together, she'll tell you where she's been and tell you where she's going. You'll have some fun, so why not come along? Seatbelts are fastened for takeoff and the signal is strong.
Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.